Hey everybody, this is your host, LaVie. Welcome to Thrift Therapy, the podcast all about thrift life. Recycling, collecting, DIYing, all the ups and downs, ins and outs of thrifting. So glad you joined me for this thrift adventure. Hey everybody. Welcome to Thrift Therapy. This is your host, LaVie. Sorry for the delay in the episode this week, but life happened, and I didn't get to go thrifting, which bummed me out, I have to tell you. But I have lots to talk about today anyway. I have a guest. Liz Walker is going to be with us from the Perhaps It's You podcast, which looks into Unsolved Mystery episodes and gives you updates on it. We're going to talk about those mystery stains on some of the things that you want to buy at thrift stores that you're like, I don't know if I can get this out. What do you think? I have an answer for you. So stay tuned. This delightful album you hear playing in the background, all in French, I have no idea what it's saying. If anybody wants to tell me, I'm down to learn. But the title of the album is called The Singing Nun. Funny, right? I found it and I had to have it because also the cover art's beautiful. So if you don't usually check out the cover art that I post, on the title slide of each episode. Check this one out. It's like a maybe a charcoal pencil or ink drawing with an actual guitar playing singing nun on the front of it and a captive audience of girls who look slightly different stages of bored or forlorn. Which, you know, I identify with. I get it. Life is weird. I don't say that enough probably. Let me start by giving a shout out to my new Patreon supporters, whom I adore, Malise Shabbat. I hope I'm saying this right. It's a lovely name. Thank you for joining the Patreon Thrift Box. I'm very excited to send you goodies in the mail. Sarah Bear is also in the mix on the Patreon Thrift Box. Paper Bunny bumped up from my lowest level to my highest level. So very exciting. Thank you for bumping your support up, Paper Bunny. Coolest name ever, by the way. Also, Amanda Cronin, thank you for joining the Thriftbox Patreon. Gina Marie, thank you. Glad to have you. And Nan Gardner signed up for an accessories box, which I think is a really cool idea. And you know what? Nan thought of it, and it's where I'm just going to send her all the most glorious, vintage, thrifted scarves, books, decor, tchotchkes, barrettes, I don't know, whatever I can find, right? Brooches, rings, bracelets, all the cute stuff. She gave me a list of things that she finds interesting and collects, so I'm really looking forward to, and have already started shopping for Nan. I've got a nice little box going for her. So if you want to get in on the thrift boxes, stay tuned. August 1st, I'm going to release a couple more. And I think I'm going to follow Nan's lead and offer a couple of accessory boxes in case clothing isn't your thing, but you like to accessorize yourself for your home. That'll be an option for you too. In other news, I want to read a five-star review. I'm so excited. I have more than one to read. It's thrilling. I have choices. This is just so, so fun. So, I'm going to read this one by Luella Chavez. Levi is so entertaining. Five stars. Levi is so entertaining. I love her stories and passion for thrifting. This combination makes her delivery so fun and natural. I know if I need a pick-me-up, I can listen to Thrift Therapy and my spirits will be lifted. Thank you for that, LaVie. That warms my heart because if there's anything in the world that I want to do is lift people's spirits. And I really like that note, Luella. Cute name, too. Reminds me of a purse I used to have that had these little hearts all over it. I loved it. 
Anywho, leave me a five-star review. If you don't want to write things, just tap those stars, and that counts too. And you know, really, spreading the word about the podcast is one of the best things you can do to support thrift therapy. I want to grow up those numbers so I can maybe get some sponsors and travel a bit. Like I said, I'd just love to come meet some of you thrifters in different cities, maybe hit up a podcon or two, set up a thrift swap so we can all trade our goodies and you know what I am going to a mini pod con in August in Austin Texas and I think you should come visit me there I am going to bring some goodies I've already been collecting 99 cent tchotchkes tchotchkes you know knickknacks right those things and putting thrift therapy stickers on them and you're gonna want one because they're cute 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 silly weird things so come check me out at the podocalypse and you can also meet some other podcasters like Lainey from true crime fan club is gonna be there all crime no cattle best darn diddly review show lone star law and order Murder City, Nerds from the Crypt podcast, Whiskey Boy Radio, and Spy Shack podcast. So some comedy, some true crime, some pop culture, and obviously some thrift talk. So come on down to Austin, Texas, August 25th, 7 to 11 p.m., Rio Rita, 1203 Chacon. Come support the podcast and let's hang. I look forward to meeting some of the listeners. So today we're going to talk about stains, tears, the like, the mystery spots on the items at thrift stores that you find that you think are pretty cool or maybe they're the color of the day and you're a reseller and you're like, I can resell this and then wah, wah, you discover a stain on the garment. So I wanted to share some of the tips and tricks that I've learned through the years. My first job wasn't in retail. My very first job was for my dad, actually, when I was 15. He built a little pizza shack in this very small town that we lived in, and I worked there until I was in the 10th grade in high school, I believe, 10th or 11th grade, they had this program called DECA, D-E-C-A, it stood for something, I don't remember what, and I'm not going to look it up, so there. Anyway, it was an early release program where you could get out of school around 1 o'clock and go to a job, which was awesome for two reasons. Number one, get out of school. Number two, I actually really like to work. I like being productive. I like making my own money. And my dad said to me when I was maybe 14 or 15 years old, he said to me, if you don't want me to ask where you're going, what you're doing, and what you're spending that money on, make your own money. And you know what? I took that to heart, and I was like, well, I'm going to get a job. And then he was like, well, I'm building this pizza place so you can work there and make your own money. And it was a good deal. And from that point on, I was really hooked on being the boss of myself, supporting myself, and I already had a very strong value for independence or what I've come to call autonomy. My dad was really good at the pizza shop. He would trust me with running the shop and taking care of it on my own after a little while, which when I think back about it, I think if I did that today, I'd probably get murdered. But you know what? I survived, and I made money, and I learned a lot of good, good skills. So when I was in the DECA program, I worked for a department store called Bell's, and let me tell you, they still exist, and I don't know how or why, because it is really not a good department store. I don't know if anyone working at Bell's will ever hear this, and if I offend you, I'm sorry, but ugh, nothing ever wanted to buy I never wanted to buy anything in there. There was nothing I wanted, but I figured out that I really liked working around clothes and makeup and such. So I eventually 
got a job out of the small town I was in, in the big city of Houston. We were about 45 minutes away at Contempo Casuals, and that was my heart's desire. I really, really loved that job. Learned some hard lessons there, but it was the start of me really taking an interest in textiles and clothing and fashion in this kind of um, very detailed way. And my mother was a seamstress growing up. She would make all of our clothes. She would go into fancy department stores, make little sketches, and then come home and replicate dresses for us, which was a really cool skill that she still has. But I don't know if she does it anymore. But she did teach me how to sew, and I know how to sew. So when I was working at Bell's and then Contempo and then Christine's and then a Couturier, All along the way, I paid a lot of attention to the details of garments, and I learned a great deal about what kinds of fabrics release stains easily, what kinds of stains are manageable, and ways to treat the stain that can remove it, and I learned a lot about the stitch work in a garment And when quality is there, how it looks in the stitch and the fabric choice versus when quality isn't there. When a garment is salvageable, when it's worth salvaging, and when you should just move on because it's a throwaway garment anyway. And all these years later, not being in retail anymore, that job will wear you out, I have to tell you. It's pretty exhausting over time. You just really get sick of people and their bitchiness around the holidays. In fact, I didn't celebrate any big holidays almost the whole time I worked in retail because it was just such a bummer. People were so mean, and I thought, yeah, right, Christmas spirit. You know, like I just became cynical and jaded, I suppose. Anywho, I digress. I still use those skills today to determine when I'm thrift shopping whether I should fuss with a stain or just leave the garment behind. A lot of people will tell you, if it's stained or ripped, leave it. And you know what? That's great advice for personal wear. If it isn't perfect, if you don't absolutely 100% love it, leave it. There's always more junk to collect. But if you're a reseller or maybe say everything in the store is 75% off and it's a dollar, then maybe take it. Because it's fun to learn how to get rid of stains and what stains are actually things you can get rid of. So I'm going to tell you guys some few tips that I've learned through the years. The very first thing I want to give you is a list of things you should have on hand all the time to mess with stains. Number one is baking soda. Believe it or not, baking soda is really handy for stain removal. You need white vinegar. You need some kind of a hairspray or Purell. The alcohol in it is really good at releasing stains. And uh, you, you probably need some lemon juice, club soda, dish soap, and salt as well. And hydrogen peroxide is a must. Now let me tell you why, okay? So baking soda is really good for getting coffee stains out. You can also use a Like you can use it dry on there and rub it in and then you can wet it and rub it again and then you can rinse it and a lot of times that's all it takes to get the coffee stain out. If that's not doing the tricks, mix it with a little vinegar and water. It does cause a kind of funky little chemical reaction, so put the water in first is my recommendation. And you can use that mixture to get a lot of stains out like... If you just want to use straight white vinegar, you can use that for a lot of things like releasing calcium stains on things like tea kettles, anything that's around water a lot. It can also get some goo off from stickers and tags. Personally, I prefer Goo Gone. I just like the way the oily stuff feels and works, and it smells better in my opinion. But you can use white vinegar, and it will take a lot of the goo off as well. Uh, snow stains on shoes, and calcium, oh, I already said calcium stains, right? And then grass stains. You can use white vinegar to get grass stains out. If you need a miracle stain remover, this is something that I've used before on things like carpet or rugs, you know, which get really stained because they're piled. And the more pile you have on any fabric, 
the more difficult it can be to remove the stain all the way through because it's soaked in, right, in layers. And this mixture can work really well. You put two-thirds a cup of dish soap, two-thirds a cup of ammonia, smelly, I know, six tablespoons of baking soda and two cups of warm water, and you mix that up, put it in a spray bottle, and put it on your rug or your carpet and let it soak a bit, and then come back with, and I use a suede brush usually because it's got kind of stiff bristles, and then I rub the top of it, and then I flip the rug over and I rub the underside too, and then I just sprinkle baking soda on top of it and let it pull the moisture out, which is a great trick. You just leave it there, and it'll pull the moisture out that you've put in so that you can release the stain. And, and then when you come and vacuum that up, uh, ta-da, miracle, most of the time the stain is gone. Now, it really helps if you can identify what kind of stain you're working with because there are specific things that will get specific stains out. You can actually get pretty good at guessing what a stain is. Let me tell you a few of the common ones I find in thrift stores. Number one is makeup, right? Because when people try things on, a lot of times inevitably we'll get foundation, powder, or lipstick on the garment. Um, some things that take that off pretty easily is you can use dish soap, just your run-of-the-mill dish soap to get lipstick and foundation off. Nice trick, right? And just put a little bit on a Q-tip and a little bit of water and just gently dab at the spots and let it lift up. A lot of times we rub stains and that's not always the best thing to do at first because it can damage the fabric. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about fabrics and what to watch out for. But let's continue with removing certain kinds of stains for now. So then always rinse with water, pat dry, or use a hair dryer can be really good. So some other things to watch out for at thrift stores that I find are ink stains. And this is a weird trick, I know, especially since it's not particularly eco-friendly, is to use aerosol hairspray to get ink out, but it works. And I keep a 99-cent can of White Rain, you know, the cheapest, stinkiest shit out there, around just for ink stains and it, it doesn't take a lot and you can spray it on this ink stain and let it set for a bit and this one you are going to want to aggressively scrub because it ink stains are really set in and it depends on the fabric as to whether or not you can get it out because you do need to aggressively scrub it um, cotton's always good, denim's fine, rayon can be okay, polyester for sure, but if you're de dealing with anything delicate like linen or silk you're, or a very open weave fiber, that's what you're going to want to look for. How open is this weave and how delicate is this thread, then you're going to want to skip that if it has an ink stain on it, in my opinion, because you do need to aggressively scrub it, and that would damage the fabric even if you can get the stain out, right? So you win on the stain, and then you lose on the shape of the fabric. is kind of fucked up now. So I say with ink, make sure that the fabric is heavy enough to tolerate the scrubbing you may need to do to get it out. Now, I've heard, I haven't tried this myself, but I've heard that instead of hairspray, you can use a hand sanitizer like Purell and that that's supposed to work on ink and it's less toxic. And I don't know what the scrubbing is like on that. So that's going to be my next thing that I try. I would love it if listeners would let me know in my Facebook group, Thrift Therapy Pod on Facebook, if you've tried it and if it works, that'd be really cool. I'd love to know. So does hand sanitizer work on removing ink? Now, another thing that I find a lot at thrift stores that stain, I know this is kind of gross, you guys, but is blood. And I think that's probably why people get rid of stuff. And it'll maybe just be a little drop of something that looks kind of reddish, maybe like wine. But how I can tell the difference between wine and blood is the tint of the color and the density of the stain. Wine stains tend to be a little more translucent in 
um, intensity and the color is just a little more on the burgundy pinkish side. Blood tends to be a little denser and more opaque in its density and then it tends to be a little more on the brownish red side. So that can help with distinguishing between the two because with wine, red wine in particular, you can use lemon juice to get it out or you can use white wine to get rid of red wine. You smell like a wino, but what the fuck ever, right? It was a dollar. Otherwise, you skipped it. So you can do that with wine, but with blood, hands down, best thing to get blood out of a garment is hydrogen peroxide. It's so crazy cool how it works. Now, I had a home birth, and when I was in labor, my midwife brought a couple of bottles of hydrogen peroxide over and she goes you're going to need this because you're going to get blood all over your sheets and this will take it out and I was like okay whatever skeptical right but it worked I couldn't believe it it was just nuts so I still use that trick today and it kind of put me on the path to looking into all the different things I might have in my kitchen that would get stains out. So if something is crusty looking on a garment, you know, like it has a little bit of lift on the stain, chances are you can get that out. And good old spray and wash usually does the trick because it's just some kind of food stain. So if you are um, germ adverse, you know, don't do this, but if you're fine with it, you can just put run your fingernail, the tip of your fingernail, over a stain to see if it has any lift to it like does it move at all and that's a pretty good indicator that it's a loose stain and it'll come out the stains that I avoid the most are stains that look like they've been there a really long time and that are yellowed so it's a stain that's yellowed that is usually a no-go because that indicates that whatever it was has now turned to a fabric discoloration and not just a stain, and there's really nothing to help with that. Um, sweat stains, though, like if you see a little yellowing under the armpit of something, and it's a really expensive shirt for a dollar, like a YSL men's shirt or something, you may want to grab it, and um, you can try, oh, I think it's lemon juice I've used. Yeah, lemon juice on a sweat stain and soak it in the lemon juice and then of course I always follow that up with a little spray and wash and throw it in the washer and a lot of times like nine times out of ten it will lift that sweat stain. Magic erasers are great for anything patent leather, anything shiny, brass items from the housewares section, even copper can work really well on. Um, it depends on what's going on on that item, but you can also get goo off with it. it it's, it's pretty great, but I mostly use it on things like handbags and shoes to clean up scuffs and, and ceramics to clean up scuff marks and things like that because it'll take it right off of there. Let's see, is there anything else I want to tell you? Oh, always keep Q-tips on hand because it's really helpful to just treat this spot. Don't treat a whole area if you can avoid it because that can uh, lead to discoloration of the fabric, especially on things like silk or linen. Again, with the delicate weave and the delicate thread, you know, it can really lose dye easily if you're not careful. So you really just want to be very precise when you're cleaning a spot. That's also a really good tip. So I keep uh, Q-tips on hand for that. Another trick I have, though, is that if you're working with silk and it, it's not real shiny, that silk requires you to wet a bigger area than the spot and then take your magic eraser and wet it and gently sponge the circle area to blend with the dry fabric because if you don't, it's going to leave a ring. And you do not want a ring that's bigger than the spot that you initially treated, right? That's counterproductive. So you want to blend the water into the silk very gently, like in a watercolor style, so that you don't get a big ring when everything's dry. That's a really good tip that I've learned that's really, really helpful for treating delicate fabrics. And I mostly use that on things like blouses or um, vintage slips and stuff like that. So, so another reason to consider getting stains out of things is because some vintage items just are worth a try because you can salvage a piece of history 
and you can have a very unique fashion piece that if you don't attempt to get stains out of, you're really going to miss out on a lot of cool vintage items. So that's probably when I mostly use it is like a really high-end item that maybe originally cost multiple hundreds of dollars for just a couple dollars or if it's a vintage piece that I think is just really unique and worth the effort. Otherwise, you know what, I'm with the rest of the people skip it because there's more stuff. But if you need to get a stain out, these are some really good tips, right? Keep this stuff on hand. Now I'm going to tell you one more thing that I've gotten into recently in the past few years that is a lifesaver for, for, I think, for any thrift shopper. is It's called a fabric depiller, or some people call it a, a fabric shaver, and you can get them at Target or Walmart, and it's like this little handheld kind of it looks a little bit like a shower nozzle that you hold in your hand. And then it has this little uh, lid on the front of it with holes in it. And underneath that are these little blades that are like in the shape of a fan blade. And they spin around. So you put it right on a sweater that has those little round pills, you know, like it's balled up. And you put that shaving device on it directly on the fabric and you go in circles and it will take all of that extra fuzz and those little pills off of a sweater or a wool coat and it'll look like new. It's freaking amazing. Now I used to do this by hand with a razor and I would say at least 50% of the time I would end up nicking it and putting a hole in it. So it was just like such a gamble. But with this device, I have never put a hole in a garment I have used it on wool bags, I've used it on wool coats, I've used it on sweaters, I've used it on t-shirts, I have used it on bedding, I've used it on all blankets, all kinds of things because it's freaking amazing. Go ahead and get a nice one. The nice ones are only 10 bucks and you can plug it in and you can depill that item and now you've got a brand new vintage sweater. It looks like it just walked out of the store in 1972. So that's a really cool thing to keep on hand if you're a thrift shopper. All right, I'm tired now. I feel like I just cleaned a whole bunch of things, even though I did nothing but top. So I'm going to stop there. I hope those tips were helpful. I want to move on to the interview. I'm very excited because... Liz Walker is going to chat with us about her podcast, about being a writer, about being an avid thrifter. Tell us some thrift stories. If you haven't listened to her podcast, which is called Perhaps It's You, I'm going to go ahead and play a promo so you can get a taste of what happens on her show before we listen to her thrift stories. Are you fascinated by mysterious legends, the paranormal, or UFOs? Do stories of murder, missing persons, and con men send you down internet rabbit holes? Did you grow up watching the TV show Unsolved Mysteries? Does Robert Stack's voice haunt your nightmares? Then our podcast is for you. I'm Liz. And I'm Samantha. Join us every Wednesday as we discuss the original Robert Stack episodes of Unsolved Mysteries. Follow along with us on Amazon Prime or just tune in for our weekly podcast. We are on iTunes, Google Play, and social media at Perhaps It's You. Hi, Liz. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thanks for agreeing to the interview. I appreciate it. I'm excited about it. Well, Liz Walker, welcome to Thrift Therapy. Now, Liz is an artist and a freelance writer. She makes scenes and she's podcast host. She has a podcast called Perhaps It's You. She has a website called EverybodyLikesLiz.com. Go over and take a look at that and maybe you'll be as impressed as I was. <laughs> really like your comics. They're super funny. Oh, thank you. Will you tell me a little bit about how you got into blogging and comic book drawing? Well, back in the day, I was an art student and um, also an English student. So that's been something I've been sort of working on for a long time, I guess. I made comics in college and then had it for probably a decade. And then someone like a friend of a friend was working on a project where they would make comic a day for a month and asked if I was interested in participating in that. So I did that one year for the month of September, and it was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Making a 
comic every day for a month is so intense and not for me at all. Thing that you want to do every day for a month? I yeah, probably sleep, eat. Yeah, no, no, not make a comic. So the next year, I did it every week for a year. So I did that for two years, where I would do a comic that was the best thing that happened to me, the worst thing that happened to me, and then like some other extra detail. So I just wrapped up the last one last year. I'm not making one right now because I started the podcast and it was just too much. And it's, it's been kind of a relief to not record all of these aspects of my life, but I have made them into zines and sold them at some zine fests, which is fun. It's just a yeah, totally random thing that happened, just like the podcast, actually. I was talking with my friend, Samantha, who's the co-host, and some of our other friends, and we were lamenting that we didn't come up with the idea to do this Law and Order rewatch podcast, which is called These Are Their These Are Our Stories. These are their stories, and it's great. And I was like, Oh, I wish I had thought of that idea because I love Law and Order. And someone was like, Well, all you talk about is unsolved mysteries. Why don't you do unsolved mysteries? So we just we just did, and it's that's not like me really to start something on a whim without worrying about it incessantly forever. That other time that you did it when you were making comments. <laughs> Except for that other time. <laughs> Not really my nature. Uh, but I'm so glad it's, uh, that we did. It's been so much fun, and we're really not, like, experts on Unsolved Mysteries, but every week we research the mysteries on the episode of the show that we're talking about and see if they're solved and get some backstory on it, and it's just, it's been a lot of fun to interact with people through that. But, yeah, it's almost a message that you should just try things. Why not? You should just try things and have fun. Yeah. I, when I when I was in graduate school, I got really into Pinteresting, like, you can do it. Well, really... I started with the idea of Pinteresting, you can do it, saying, but what I ended up doing was Pinteresting a bunch of darker memes than that. Sure, yeah. Yeah, you know, fuck it, no one else can do it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But I had good intentions. Anyway, during that time, I ran across this, it was like a quote that Ricky Gervais from the original Office series, he had said about, you know, people just you know what, you should just try it because nobody knows what they're doing anyway. And it stuck with me all these years. And the more into my serious job that I've gotten, the more true I really think that is. Like, you just, there's just too much to know. You can't know it all. Like, you just can't. So you have to develop some tolerance for that. I think it is really true. And I'm just sort of a worrier by nature, but that doesn't actually, like, help. It doesn't actually help you do anything. So I'm glad that we just gave it a try, and people have been so positive, and we're like, no one is going to listen to this. Everyone's going to be really negative about it, and that just, it's been the exact opposite. It's been a lot of fun. So I feel way more qualified to talk about thrift stores, actually, than Unsolved Mysteries. So I'm very excited to be on the show. This is something I know a lot more about. I've written about it. I've done it a lot. This is much more my wheelhouse than talking about Mothman. Oh, good. So, do you have a favorite episode that you've done that maybe it's you, podcast? I really enjoyed our season one finale, which is our which was listener stories. People wrote in with mostly ghost stories of different paranormal encounters they had had, also some alien stories, and we got some really scary stories. So that was a lot of fun to do, and it was something a little bit different. Usually, we're watching an episode of Unsolved Mysteries, which is on Amazon Prime, and then we're going through the mystery and giving you some background on it and stuff like that. So this was something a little bit different, and it was a lot of fun, and you know, you don't have to have watched the show or have any reference to that to enjoy that episode. Cool, yeah. So I guess if you're going to check out the podcast, that'd be a really good one to start with. Yeah. Good, good. Okay, everybody pause and go listen to that episode. <laughs> Perfect. Season one finale. So which of the things that you've tried, it sounds like you've had a lot of hustles in your life, like things that you sort of start doing that end up taking you down a path, but that you didn't intend to do, maybe. Which one is your favorite? Huh, that's, I, honestly, I until the school year just ended, I was taking care of my friend's five-year-old, and that was the best. That was so much fun. And I loved doing that. I want to spend my time pretending to be a pirate. And he's also just a kid that's, like, interested in stuff that I'm interested in. So, we, yeah, we talked a lot about ghosts and witches and, you know, made our snacks, watched a show. 
it is just perfect. I know a lot of people who could just hang out with a kid all day and really love it. Even parents. Like, <laughs> I know a lot of parents. I'm a parent. So I think that's really special that you really enjoyed it. And it's, it's way easier when you get to leave, though. Like, it's, it's like being a grandparent. You just go in, you just, like, do the fun part, and then you're like, all right, peace out. Like, it's very different than parenting because you don't have that, like, intensive all-day, everyday experience, so. True, and you don't have to sit in the doctor's office. And you right, yeah. It's mostly just playing. It, it wasn't as bad for you as it sounded in my mind. Okay, <laughs> so you've done blogging, you're doing podcasting, you've done zines. What are some tips and tricks you might have for people out there who want to get into one of those? I'm sure you've learned things that were you wish somebody would have told you. Do you have any wisdom to pass down? I mean, I think sort of addressing any self-doubt that you might have is really crucial. And I wish I had somehow been able to do that when I was younger instead of assuming that I wasn't qualified or whatever, that I wasn't up to doing different creative ideas that I had, or I was like, assuming that things wouldn't work. If you can just try it and see what happens and have a slightly more positive attitude than I used to, I think that's crucial. And then other than that, so much creative work. I'm not going to tell you to network because I'm terrible at that, but it will come from sort of your friendships and relationships and just people you know. So keeping in touch with people is also good. So it's really like if you can make yourself network, do it. If you can't, just don't be a shitty friend. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And if you could maybe collaborate with people. Like, if you can't network, maybe you could do the next best thing and just meet up with people and talk to them about their work. Yeah. Like, I've been part of a women's art critique group in Minneapolis, and that's been super helpful and encouraging just to get feedback from other people and hear about what they're doing and different grant opportunities and stuff like that. So that's not network- that's not networking necessarily. But I think it is encouraging, which might be just as important. And yeah, not <laughs> if you're a shitty friend, then, then no, no work's going to come your way. Yeah, you don't want a bad reputation to follow you around. I used to work at an art museum, and I noticed that the less successful artists were always the meanest. They were the ones that had more to prove, I think. So they were always the ones like belittling people on staff, but then being super nice to the curator. And then the people who were really successful, you know, they weren't worried about it. They knew it was going to be fine. But the thing is, those people that you're being mean to, they're going to tell the curator <laughs> when you leave. Like that information is still going to travel. And that, yeah, I think that reputation does come back to haunt you. Yeah, I think the, the age of Bastia call it, you know, nobody wants to deal with your shit anymore. So It's true. We can just find another one. We have the internet now, so get your shit together. <laughs> it's really hard to do anything creative completely in a vacuum. And probably my least favorite thing about freelance writing is that it gets lonely. Like, it gets kind of boring, which is part of why the nannying is great and part of why... Like, I volunteer at an acupuncture clinic just because I, like, need to get out of the house. Just because me sitting here, like, <laughs> working on my writing assignment is, is dull and not always very motivating. So if you can find, yeah, any level of just feedback from other people that are interested in what you're interested in, I think it's so helpful. That's really good. I like that. I think it sounds like you pay attention to sort of what your self-care needs are. And then you find ways to meet those needs that are really constructive for your life. And I'm a big fan of that sort of thinking process. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying my best. Well, you're getting a five-star review. You're doing well. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about thrifting. I mean, you're, you're definitely creative, right? You have all these different things that you're doing in your life that represent your creative side. But what about thrifting? How does that fit into your life? I mean, I think for creative people, money is usually tight, so it's a great asset in that way. I think it can also be sort of stimulating, depending on what sort of creative process you have in, like, finding unexpected materials or finding just, you can either, like, I don't, like I've found things that I've used for paintings at thrift stores, and I've just gone 
you know what, this canvas is hideous and I'm just going to paint over it. But you could also find something that, like, inspires you to create something else, depending. Because it's such a random assortment of whatever. And you never really know what you're going to find. And that's, I think, to a lot of people, myself included, is part of the thrill of it. It's just like, who knows? No, I agree with that. I think I'm a painter is a hobby that I have. And I, I don't know, I constantly get inspired by textiles, by weird things that happen at thrift stores like the story <laughs> going on in my head <laughs> by objects I think oh I need to buy that and make that weird you know like it, sure. it's just a, a fun hodgepodge of inspiration I was wondering if you had I was reading some of your best worst comics and I, I definitely remember the Chinatown one was about shopping and maybe eating but was there any like thrifty ones where you went to a thrift store and there was like a best worst I don't remember what I think so because I think there's one about thrifting with my brother um at the best which really is my favorite he's the best person to thrift with because he will like sell you this whole pitch of why you need whatever like he immediately knows in his mind and has like a whole vision of. Like, I recently found this clear pink raincoat, and when I tried it on, he was like, yes, you're like, you're like a 90s raver, and you're wearing this over a bikini, and like, girl, you need to get it, right? And <laughs> that experience is always like, that's like my favorite thing, like thrifting with my mom and my brother, that's just like, that's bliss. So I think what would be really cool is if you would send me pictures of this pink raincoat, and of maybe if you can find it, the best worst that was about thrifting, and I can. Oh yeah, sure. So, tell me, like, you said you've been thrifting since what, like, two thousand five? Yeah, probably. I think the first time I really seriously started thrifting was I went to see a childhood friend of mine who was in a band and I went to go see her perform and she was wearing like the cutest vintage dress and I asked where she got it and she was like oh I actually thrifted this at a store called Village Discount Outlet I don't know if they have those everywhere but they have them in the Chicagoland area um and I was so so broke at that time and had like literally I had I was working like two part-time jobs that I would involved a lot of walking and had worn a hole through my shoes that I was repairing with duct tape. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to go get some shoes. And I think I found some for like 75 cents. And yeah, that was, yeah, I was sold from then on. It's something that my mom always really wanted to do with me. And as a teenager, I was like, eh, it smells like flea powder. Like, I'm not into it. <laughs> but once I had to pay for my clothes, Right, like then it was like, oh, now I get it. I see why this is so appealing. But back in the, they've they've cleaned it up. But the store that I went to that first time is probably like the most intense thrifting experience. That Village Discount Outlet is on Western Avenue. It constantly has announcements about to keep your eye on your purse because it's probably going to get stolen. Um. <laughs> There's no changing rooms. All of the tags are just like handwritten scribbles and you can't really see what they say. And if things break, the employees just sort of shove them to the side. (laughs) (laughs) Like no one throws anything out. So it used to be on the second floor. And I know they've cleaned this up by now, but for years, the second floor, when you got to the top of the stairs, there was just this pile of broken bits of wood from furniture that had broken. And I'm just being like, eh, and they would throw it all in this corner. And it sounds like a place I would want to work if I were a teenager, for sure. Like, oh, just throw that over there. <laughs> but like, I'm not carrying this outside to the dumpster, right? Like, just throw it in the corner. God, um, the dumpsters are the worst. Just put that shit over there. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely a store where I've picked up things covered in blood. And I picked up a shirt that was the front of it was just dried vomit. Oh, my God. <laughs> but then sometimes you find something great. Like, it's totally, who knows, right? 
I mean, I well, I just published a podcast tonight before I interviewed you, so it would be episode 10, and I talk about some really gross things, like pervert things, you know? Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Story, yeah, one of the listener stories was that somebody was whacking off into, like, a rack of dresses. Uh. I, I had never... It had never crossed my mind that there might be semen on things that I'm shopping for. And now I have to think about vomit, which blood I think I already thought about. <laughs> vomit and semen never crossed my mind. Like, you know, like, just, just wash things out hot. It's going to be fine. Well, I just feel like I want to wear gloves now. Like, that might be part of my new shopping. That's not a bad idea. I definitely yeah. keep hand sanitizer in my car just for thrifting, but... I yeah. think glo- I might need to step it up to gloves. That's I'm not a bad it. idea. Yeah, we're stepping it up after this. <laughs> it's happening. So, also, here's another thing to think about is you might need a thrift kit like a murderer needs a murder kit. Oh, okay. You might need a kit just to keep in your car. And what would it have in it? Like, I mean, for sure now it's going to have gloves in it. And yeah. And it's hand sanitizer. I um, recommend... Uh, tape measurer. Oh, that's definitely going in my bag because I started those thrift boxes and what the fuck, I don't know where a tape measure is to save my life. Yeah, so. that is, I have one that's like a keychain. That's really handy. Particularly if you can't try yeah. things on, you can measure the waist. Um, and then just, yeah, if there's any furniture. Yeah. Just always have that on you. Um, I really... <laughs> I feel like sometimes thrifting is, like, a really slow hike. So I like to have, like, some water, a water bottle, maybe a granola bar. You got to yeah. keep your blood sugar at a good level so you yeah. don't have an existential crisis in the middle of the store. Well, I think, I, I, so here's what I'm here. Here's what I think needs to be in this thrift kit. In fact, it's probably going to be the name of this episode, the thrift kit. You need... So let's review. We need gloves. We need hand sanitizer. We need a snack. We need, I think we might need black leggings and a black built-in shelf bra tank top because what the fuck with no changing rooms? Yeah. Hello. So that's your, you know, maybe penny shoes because you're on a hike now. So you have an outfit. Yeah. have all this, you know, help things. Maybe you need one of those little masks that you put on your face. (laughs) What about thrifting do you think appeals to you now? Do you still do it because you save money? Do you have other reasons you do it? What makes you thrift still? I Yeah, I like a bargain. I like to... makes me feel like I'm saving the earth. So, <laughs> I mean, that's debatable how, how true that is. But it does make me feel better to create less consumable goods. It's not just a thrifty thing. It's a good thing. Right, like I do that too. I feel good about... I'd rather do that... Then go to the mall and buy something I only halfway like, and then I don't know what comes next because I don't really do that. But yeah, regret, shame, <laughs> horror, sadness. You get home from the mall and you go, "Why did I buy this? It was sixty-five dollars." Yeah, that's ridiculous. And I worked in retail for a long time when I was really young, and oh, geez, everyone's so grumpy when they're shopping, and you know, and I, I would think that's true. Why? It's because you need this to be really good. Why don't you just relax, you know? It's okay if you don't like it next week. But if you're going to pay $100 for jeans, I guess that's not true. Right. But, yeah, I think it probably does put some more pressure on. Thrifting is fun in a a way that I feel like other shopping isn't because it is just more of an experience. And I think there's something about, like, constantly, like, looking and not even really knowing what you're going to be looking at that you're, like, really present. In the moment. I think so. So it's kind of relaxing. Yeah, definitely. I even have a face that happens when I'm thrifting that doesn't happen anywhere else. (laughs) I'm sure I do, too. I'm not aware of it, but that would make total sense. Well, I can feel it. Like, I can feel it settle (laughs) on. There's, like, a tension. Your thrift face. Yeah. It's a thrift face. It really is. It's, like, a... It's kind of a scowl. I can feel my eyebrows get kind of scowly, and I, my my eyes are like laser fucking focused, like super. Because you're like, what's this? What's this? What's this? What? As you flip through, yeah, whatever. Well, and because I worked in retail, and I worked in a wide range from like 
Contempo Casual. Oh, I remember. Girl, that was mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyway, I worked there, and then I ended up, my final job in retail was at, at Tootsie's, which is a couturier. So I know okay. things about clothes. I know what a good fabric is. I know what a good seam is. I know what the right stitch is. I know what the right collar lay is. So I don't even have to pick shit up. I'm just, so I'm doing things. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not touching the hangers with my hands. I'm touching them with my eyeballs. <laughs> There's like an intensity happening. So what do you think makes you, you said you really, really love thrifting, right? So what do you think makes you like, an expert thrifter. What's your level of thrifting, do you think? I mean, I don't know that I'm an expert. I do it sort of sporadically and sort of in spurts. I feel like I've been doing it less. I no longer live by my family. So I think I need to find some good thrifting companions. I do think that sort of helps the search. And sometimes I'm like, do I really need any more stuff? Like, no, I really don't. Um. Hmm. So you're definitely what not an expert because expert thrifters always answer that question, yes. <laughs> yes. I, I think I'm willing, I have the, I have the willingness to go and look. Like it's not, like sometimes I talk to people and they're like, ugh, I just don't have the patience for mm-hmm. that. And I almost like can't imagine not because it's so enjoyable to me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Where they're like, oh, you have to look for so long. And I was like, yeah, but that's what, like, that's good. <laughs> I like that. I definitely had a friend that I shopped with sometimes that would, she was a browser. And I think I could tell her level of emotional stability by how long she was willing to browse in a thrift store. And I think the correlation <laughs> that, that I observed was the more emotionally unstable she was feeling, the longer she would spend in a thrift store and the less she was likely to buy. Like, it was, I mean, but yeah, like, it was really cathartic for her just to be in there. I I don't have that experience. Like, I need some shit. Give me the thing. <laughs> it just, it stirs me up, you know? If I don't find anything, I'm like, well, what the fuck are you even doing in here? You know, where's the good stuff? Well, that's true. Like, I'm not a gambler, but I feel like I have, sometimes sort of the same reaction to thrifting where I'll be like, oh, I'm on a hot streak. Like, I'm going to find great stuff. Like, I found some great stuff. I'm going to find more great stuff. There's great stuff in here today. And then other days, I'm like, no, it's cold. (laughs) Like, that doesn't really make any sense. But in my mind, in the moment, you know, I get sort of superstitious about it almost. I think that's, yeah, I think that, okay, so we should just assess your thrift expert level with the question. But before we do that, what do you think your style is for thrifting? Do you have, like, some adjectives you could use to describe your, like, what kind of outfits you're looking for or home stuff that you look for? I like old stuff. Um, I like kitschy stuff. I'm not a person that's going for, to a thrift store and trying to get stuff that looks like it's not from the thrift store, if that makes sense. Um, you're not looking for high I, stuff for $3. No, I want like eclectic, weird, bizarre, whatever. Okay, so you're retro. Yes, and I I don't stick to like a certain era, but I yeah I prefer older things if it has sort of like an atomic flair all the better. Okay, so you're like retro eclectic with maybe a sixties vibe. A little okay, bit. Got it. All right, so let's do your thrift level. Let's find out. How okay. Do you thrift? It totally varies, depending on, like, my mood, the season. I don't know. Definitely, like, not weekly. Okay. Do you have a list that you keep for things that you might want from this thrift store, or you just kind of go with the flow spontaneous? I feel like you have to be open to what the thrift store has to offer you. And there are certain things, like, I'm not going to leave behind. Like, I really love, like, the old Pyrex. So, shit like that, like, yes, I'm always going to pick it up. But in general, I feel like you just have to see what's out there and how you could use it and, like, how you could change it. And going back to being superstitious, sometimes I'm like, oh, if you just wait long enough, the thing that you want, you'll find. Like, the thrift store will provide for you. (laughs) (laughs) If there's, like, a certain thing you've been seeking, like, sooner or later, it'll come around. So, do you believe in thrift store gods, then? 
I guess I do. I would say no, but then by my own behavior, apparently. Something magical, right? Something mystical. I don't know what it is, yeah. but it's like some entity wants me to have something or they're fucking with me. <laughs> I was thinking about before this, like, what are my best thrift store finds? And I'm sitting right next to an alarm clock that was on my Amazon wish list, like the exact same clock. And then I walked into a Goodwill and it was there. I freaking love that. That's the best. And then I saw that Dita Von Teese has the same one. And I was like, there you uh, go. Perfect. Right? I mean, <laughs> he's the thrift store god. You know? Yes. Of glamour. I would, yes. That is the thrift store god I want. If it's not the one I have, it's the one I want. Where is <laughs> it? Like, how do you get that one? Okay, so do you like to go alone or with friends? I would pre- I prefer to go with my mom and my brother because they will go forever. They are not going to want to stop before me. We've gone to like six or seven stores in a day. They're oh, that's epic. That's yeah. Epic. <laughs> we'll spend a whole day just doing that. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I feel like if you really are going to be out for a while, you have to go by yourself because otherwise people are going to, they're going to be quitters. They're going <laughs> to slow you down. Okay, so, yeah. <laughs> They're gonna be like, "How long are you going to possibly look at this old junk?" And I'm like, "Forever, <laughs> please. I need all of it. Somewhere in here is a tea towel, and I want it." Yes, yes, I get. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty fast, but if I want to do something like, um, oh, I don't know, process feelings, I might need to take longer, and I don't want to be bothered when I'm doing that. I need to be by myself. I think the older I get, the more into doing things alone, just so I don't have to worry about anyone else. <laughs> like, I'll go to the concert alone, I'll go on vacation alone, I'm enjoying it more. Oh, that's nice. That's good. I think it's good to do things alone. I, I like doing things with friends, I like doing things alone, but I get totally different things from those experiences. So that's good. Yeah. So we did your best clock experience, but because you had a comic that was called Best Worst, I think you should tell me your best and worst thrift moment. I mean, that shirt covered in vomit is pretty bad. (laughs) Vomit. The the fact that someone priced that shirt and put it on a hanger. Yeah, that's fine. It just boggles the mind. Um, One of the strangest moments is that my husband and I were at a thrift store. And this seemingly ordinary man just walked up to him. As if you knew him and said, you know what's funny? Coolio didn't even write Gangster's Paradise. And then he walked away. <laughs> That's also not true. Oh my god. That's anyway. <laughs> that was just on his mind, I guess. I don't know. He was just making conversation with various people in the store. I really love when people, you like kind of make a friend for a couple minutes when they ask your opinion on something. Oh, yeah. That sort of like thrift store camaraderie. I don't really get that. Maybe people in other stores don't find me approachable. <laughs> but in thrift stores, people will always ask me like, should I get this is $7? Do you think I should get it? And I there's something about that that's so charming to me. I like that too. Or if you have something on and they'll go, oh, that's really cute. You should get that. Yeah, yeah, it totally depends. It's a roll of the dice if you approach me in a thrift store. Like, one day I could be like, oh, my God, thank you so much. What are you getting? Show me your stuff. Another day I could just be like, yeah, thanks, and just look away <laughs> from you not want to right. at all. So I always feel like people who are approaching me in thrift stores are just, they're just really brave. They're really brave. Yeah. I like yeah. Of course, have you ever had the one, like, really lonely person who, like, they'll start with, oh, that's really cute, you should get that, or should I get this, I can't tell, is, is it worth it, and you say something, and then they won't stop talking, like, yeah, follow you yeah. Door, like, out to your car, and you're like, okay, bye, yeah, stops at the door, like, no. <laughs> We're not friends in the real yeah, world. This is not- it's over. <laughs> There's something about my mom and just her, her aura, her face. I don't know. But she always attracts those people who just will come up and be like, hey, here's my entire life story. And then I'll, I'll, be, I'll walk up and be like, who is, what is happening? 
but she yeah, she just makes instant friends wherever she goes, whether she wants to or yeah, not. Yeah, I, I, I kind of have that vibe sometimes. I think I've learned how to turn off the vibe, but I don't know. If that's the scowling will probably yeah, help. The thrift store face scowling. Really seem to help. <laughs> that works. But yeah, I don't know if that's a good thing now that I sit here and think about it. Because I bet those people are just really, really lonely, you know? Yeah, like, absolutely. Oh, it kind of breaks my heart and I feel just a teensy bit mean that I don't. But also. <laughs> but also establish those boundaries. Yeah. Good point. Good point, boundaries. Well, those are all the questions that I have for you. I'm really glad you took the time to come on the show. And I will keep reading your best, worst comics. Oh, thank you. This was super fun. I'm uh, I'm always ready to talk about thrifting. Good, good, good. Well, if you have any other horrible, awful stories or really funny ones, just go post them in the Facebook group or on Instagram, and you can come back and talk about it. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. Sure. All right. Well, thanks again. Um, Let's see. What else? Oh, I know. Why don't you plug your show and anything that you want people to visit so they can like your things and learn out, you know, like learn more about you and what you do. Why don't you give us the business? Oh, sure. So if anyone is interested in listening to my podcast, it's called Perhaps It's You. It is about Unsolved Mysteries, the classic TV show, but actually a lot of our listeners never watched that show. So don't feel like you have to. Uh, the website for that is www.perhapsitsyou.com, and we are on Apple Podcasts and Google Play and all that good stuff. And then if you're interested in seeing some of my artwork and writing, you can find that at everybodylikesliz.com. Awesome. I'll see you online. Okay. All right. Yep. Good night. Good night. Well, that was really fun. I just love having guests on the show. I can't believe I ever thought I was going to do this show without having guests. It just seems like... A dream. It didn't happen. Maybe a nightmare. I'm so glad I decided against that idea because it really does bring a lot of joy into my life to get to talk to people about their passions and thrifting and ask them questions and talk about what we have in common. It's really fun. Thanks again, Liz, for coming on the show. Thanks, everybody, for listening today. Don't forget to join the Facebook group, Thrift Therapy Pod. You can like the Facebook page, but where all the fun happens is in the group. I also post memes on my Instagram page, which is Thrift Therapy Pod. If you want to see my outfits of the day, I post a picture of my thrifted outfit every single day that I bother to get dressed at LaVee, which is L-A-V-E-E underscore Thrift Queen on Instagram. You can follow me there and check out my outfits. If you have an outfit of the day page, I'll follow you back. I really love that shit. It gives me ideas on what to wear every day. If you want to be a Patreon, you can find me as Thrift Therapy on Patreon. I have all kinds of levels. Of course, I do have the uh, Patreon thrift box levels, which are sold out right now, I will release some more options in August. If you don't use Patreon and you want to throw some money at this podcast, go to my website, which is thrifttherapypod.com, and you can see all the ways you can connect to me on social media. You can see my thrift resale stores on Depop, Poshmark, eBay, all that jazz. But you can also follow the link to my PayPal and be a PayPal supporter. Well, that's all for today. I appreciate each and every one of you. I'm going to go ahead and leave you with a little bit more of The Singing Nun. I hope you've enjoyed today's show and stay thrifty, y'all. Thank you.
Je me souviens 